Hey everybody, and thank you for joining us on this special impromptu live stream today. Uh, so in short, what we're going to discuss today, I have craft show coming on Drew Hall, amazing to have him. And what we're going to talk about is the black magic update. So if you guys have not seen, or you guys are watching this after the fact, black magic did a little bit of an update today. We thought it was going to be a camera update because that's what they mentioned. And I guess technically it was, but it wasn't entirely about a new camera. It was about old cameras. But we'll talk more about that in a sec. Let me bring Drew on. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm delightful, man. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i very excited. I have a new product I would like to announce. It is an update to another product. And uh, no one has seen this before. It's brand new. I'm really hyped. Uh, it's a world exclusive right here. It's mm -hmm. called Green Tape. <sighs> and the reason I say this is amazing is because this is, a, yeah, it only comes in a partially used roll. And it is just fantastic wow um you know is there are there, are there some links that we can get that green tape yeah, um, you can get it from no no <laughs> i don't even know where that stuff came from it's just been sitting on my i think we have so much of this green screen tape sitting around the office that that mm -hmm. the other jeff and i literally use it as uh as underwear <laughs> yeah yeah no and clue. see i wish i was on i was on set a few weeks ago and uh right before covid hit and we needed green screen tape and some guy comes to me with like regular green tape and i'm like are you serious but uh, whatever we had to just had to make do with what yeah this is that, that's actually one. that's ultra matte tape that's like the proper stuff i've got like a couple of yeah. rolls i'll send you a roll if you need one. Oh, dude uh well, where, so where do you get them because down here it's it's hard in atlanta it was easy actually to get but but in uh, film tools yeah uh, not film tools i'm sorry uh pc and e out of atlanta uh, okay. We have an account with them, so it's always nice when you go in and they give you a little discount on your tape purchases. It's always a good feeling. Yeah, no, that's where we went in Atlanta. Uh, it's just down here. There's like one place in Miami, and definitely not going to Miami right now. <laughs> well, I think you guys lost incentives. All your rental houses closed, didn't they? Uh, the big ones did. There's there yeah. are still small rental houses here, but I mean they're like mom and pop type rental houses. They're yeah. they're nothing major. You know, once we lost well, they the don't... incentives, I mean, who's right? And stay it's also here? a product, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I uh, I ate almonds right before we went live, and now my hands are all kind of like weird feeling, and I think I don't know, it's the yeah, COVID no or something. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm um, cracking a cracking a diet coke right now, anyway. So yeah, I got my peach honey. <laughs> Look at this thing, aha! Uh, Coca Cola, please sponsor our this show. Uh, yeah, for real, two Coke products. Yeah, although, we're drinking technically. Coke technically, I'm I'm repping the Shark Wake Park because I got there my nice go. little koozie on here to keep it nice there and cold. Yeah, so um, uh, I I joked about that earlier with the with the reveal, but it just was the. Just, what is your takeaway from the Black Magic thing? Do you think we got duped? So here's here's my question for you: Did we get duped, or did Black Magic pull a Black Magic? The number one thing that if you've ever watched any of the craft show content, I you know me, I hate Black Magic. Or did they pull a PR mistake and actually? hurt themselves like they normally do they are the kings of shooting themselves in the foot like hey guys we've got a brand new camera won't be available for three years it's like yeah, what yeah like, why announce it yeah. do you think that they just pulled normal black magic and just shot themselves in the foot yeah you know you bring up a good point i i don't think they intended to reveal this whole live stream the way they did especially because i don't think that was the plan if if nab actually happened right. but you know, I think the way the problem was, it's actually not this time that was the issue. It was this time last year when they released the Pocket 6K. Right. The way they announced it, it seemed like it was going to be a camera update and not like a brand new camera being released. 
So right. I think a lot of us kind of went on that wording being like, oh, when they use that wording, it's a brand new camera. We're going to get an 8K full frame black magic camera or something. Right. And we, we kind of took it. And, and I think they just, you know, mistakenly used the wrong wording last year and they just kept the same wording this year for for the update. So I think, you know, it was a little bit of a shot in the foot. But the question is, is was it a shot in the foot this year or was it last year? Um, and I guess time oh, will tell. No, it's a good point. I, I would argue maybe, you know, if you have, well, black, the, the upside of the 6K, and because you were an early adopter, do you have the 6K as well? Or just the uh, I, I don't, but I've, I've used the 6K okay. extensively. So I have a partner in, in uh, like down the hall. We have a guy we work with a lot and he has a 6K and we've we've used it some. We tested it. I think we have a video out on our channel for it. And uh, I really love that camera. I think it's a beautiful image. I, I love the dual ISO on it. Um, I love all. What was amazing to me, though, is he ordered it right away. Like he got this uh, right away and um, so quick to secure it. It was kind of mind blowing. So, yeah, I mean, and people were like that with me, too. I, the, although the difference was the 6K was available right off the bat, whereas the 4K and I think this is more due to the price as well. And, and being, you know, the first one of the two, uh, the 4K took like six months. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and when I got it, everyone's like, how did you get it? And I'm like, it's very simple. I pre-ordered it when they announced it. That's right. all I did. And right. and I happened to get literally like the first product. I got it before the reviewers got it because they didn't even really have review products uh, for the 4K. But th when the 6K came out, it was like, it's available right now. Didn't um, we, didn't you send us footage of that? Like I early did, on? I did. So when I, when I first got it, um, I don't think I sent you CDNG footage. I sent, uh, I sent Jeff Worley, the bearded one. I sent him, um, the other bearded, like there's all beards, yeah. all phases of beards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah beard, I mean, we, beard, we yeah. have, we have close shaven beards, whereas yeah. Jeff is the bearded one. Yeah. He's know? Dr. Beard Fosse. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, it was cool. I, I sent him stuff just because obviously, you know, you, you guys weren't both weren't the biggest fans of black magic. And, you know, at the time, you know, listen, I like black magic, but I've used reds. I've used, uh, the Panasonic's. I use the EVA one. I use the GH five. I wasn't necessarily beholden to only using black magic, but right. I wanted to see what you guys thought. And you guys seemed to like it. You thought it was okay. It wasn't going to make you got, it wasn't going to make you switch. It wasn't right. that, that mind blowing. And then I guess where at least beard the bearded one with with jeff's it, it, where he changed his mind a little bit was i remember when b-raw came out and him and yeah. i had a conversation offline and we we're kind of talking and he's like you know it'd be great if if i could have some footage um uh, you know a different at the different gains because uh, you know if you guys follow the black magics just like the gh5 and some and the the red uh i forget the name of the gemini um, it has two oh, yeah. different gains and, and the right. two different gains have a little bit of a different color to them. And so Jeff's like, if you can send me one at the first base and the second base, I'd like to see the differences. So I sent that to him in B raw. And, uh, he told me after I sent it to him, like, I think months after he's like, you know, getting that B raw footage is what made us basically end up buying the G2. It's a true story. So it ended up, uh, he looked at that and he was like, Hey, you, he graded it. And I don't know how, how willing we are to, to divulge this ultimate LUT. I'll let you talk about it because I've not used it. We'll <laughs> yeah, get to that. Yeah. Uh -huh. But Jeff graded that footage and he pulled me in because he knows like, I, I think I made fun of it on the air with like a cutout <laughs> of the black magic camera that I would stick in my pocket. It wouldn't fit. Like I went after him and then we used it and I looked at the footage you'd sent and you're a very good shooter, very good DP. And I was like, wow, this stuff looks great. And then Jeff starts trying to break it apart and he's like, look at this. It's holding up really well. Yeah. And we're like, oh, yeah. that's interesting. Uh -huh. Like, 
okay, so if this is this, let's see what's next. So then again, the guy down the hall gets one and says, Hey, I got a 6k. Do you guys want to shoot? So we shot a part of a project with it. And at that point, B-roll became something very fascinating to me. I don't like the Apple raw or whatever it is. I haven't believed in yeah, that. Pro -res raw. I, I'm yeah, not a fan. I don't get it. I don't think it does yeah. what it says it's supposed to do. No, no. And here's the biggest thing. You can't do ISO changes in post. That's right. I mean, that's, right. that's one of the biggest advantages of shooting raw. Right. And, and the, the fact that you can't do, now, can you do extreme grades in it? Absolutely. But yeah. I mean, listen, the, the, I, the, I've said it, the ISO is a huge thing. And the fact that you can't do it is crazy. Now, here's the thing that the other side of this too, though, is that, you know, recently Jeff and I did that series of commercials that was Alexa, we shot an Alexa mini. And so we shot Alexa mini mixed with red and look, red's IPP2 workflow visually from a DP standpoint. And I nitpicked the hell out of those frames. It looks good and it matches, it matches Alexa very well. And Jeff is a very talented color. So I'm not taking anything away from, him, but he'll even tell you the amount of work between the two wasn't so bad. I even had the same conversation with him recently when we were driving across What's the mm -hmm. workflow like with B-Raw in putting it into a, 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 a RE log sort of space? And he's mm -hmm. like, it's very similar for him. That's how his yeah. brain processes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's and especially with DaVinci, by the way. DaVinci yeah. helps. And that's the key there. Like, I think that's the biggest takeaway is that we have officially, as a production company and as a production house, we have officially left all, I mean, I still have After Effects because I don't like Fusion, but or I haven't learned fusion, I should say. Yeah, me, 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 me too. Me too. It, I don't like nodes. They're too confusing. I'm too stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so we're still, we're still some premiere if I have a legacy project, but we've forced our editors and everyone to move to, to DaVinci and uh, we're, we're crushing it, right? We are mm -hmm. super happy. Here's a prime example. I wish Jeff were here to jump on. Hopefully will. So we did a job. I'm trying to think if I could even show it. To you. Uh, I could probably show one of them, but it's probably not worth it. But anyway, we did a job and the round yeah, trip was later. Yeah, yeah. The editor, the editor cut it, who is homesick with COVID. So he mm -hmm. cut it. And then he sent me the DRP file from DaVinci, which is like the project file. I relinked, added the graphics, made creative director choices, you know, agency style stuff, made my tweaks that I knew needed to be there for the client, sent that DRP in a Dropbox with missing files that Jeff might need, nothing major, sent it to Jeff. Jeff pulls it, grades it, sends it back. I connect everything again, make a new version. Same thing. Grades all there. Had to swap a shot after a client note. Swapped it, copy and pasted the grade. Didn't have to go back to Jeff or bother him. Bloop, out the door. The most simple process we've ever had from head to tail. Super streamlined. And now my archiving is already done because when you archive through that, the archive process DaVinci has created, which I do like a lot, allows me to archive that project into two folders and I dump them onto two separate drives. I'm done. I don't have to ever think about it again until the client wants it again. That is phenomenal time savings, which means more money in our pocket. So yeah, yeah. And it was all B-roll. Everything we should, uh, I take it back. It was B-roll and GH5 mixed together, but it was okay. mostly B-roll. But that, that works. Yeah. Yep. 100 percent The uh, downside you know, though is you gotta own studio. You gotta own resolve, I think, right? Correct. Correct. Um uh depends on what you're doing. It depends on what you're doing. Uh, oh, I shot know, this stuff at 4K, I think was the problem. If you're not UHD, you have to have. I don't think that's the limit anymore. I don't I think don't. Uh, the four, I think that was the limit in prior versions of studio. Okay. Now I've noticed because uh, Stogie, who's in the chat, he was using uh, regular DaVinci. And then I, I let him use one of my um, serial keys. And it seemed like there were certain things uh, on the studio version that were like higher level things that if you were using them, you really should be paying for DaVinci. 
um, like things like super scale, um, super, cause I was able, he was able to export 4k videos on the regular one, mm -hmm. but it also may have been like 10 bit footage. It may be that you could do 4k, but not 10 bit 4k, um, Maybe so. stuff like there that. There was some limitation. I know we kept running into. Mm -hmm. And, but, uh, super scale for me was the biggest thing that you can only use the studio version for cause their version of super scale is just ridiculous. I've, I've used, um, super scale on original pocket cinema camera footage that was 1080 mm -hmm. and it just looks magnificent super scaled into 4k no um, joke. To, to, i mean but listen it, it's not like it's it's quick though the, the thing is it, even though it, it looks magnificent it still takes hours to do even a, like a few minute clip um so, so it's not like it's magic so uh, that super magic. scale though does it does it need to be chopped up oh that was that was a dad joke and this <laughs> uh does does it need to be chopped up or could you dump in like so i have like a short that we that i have that i'd love to scale up to 4k can i just is it like auto scaler yeah, you, you could do no well you have to choose it but basically the way i would do it if i were you and this is this is this is free for everybody out there on the youtube scale uh universe so you basically put it in the timeline and you go into the properties and you can yep. if you have the short already done you can just put that in your timeline go into the properties choose super scale and choose to like do it two to two three or four times uh and then it's doing it in the background. It takes a while, but really the process shows when you go to export it, oh. um, you know, but if you have a powerful computer, depending on how long the short is, if it's like a five minute short, it may take like a few hours right. uh, on my computer. Cause it's starting to get older um, to do. I went to go do a 30 minute interview that I wanted to super scale to 4k. And I think it was something like 18 hours wow. uh, for the 30 minute interview. Wow. But, I mean, listen, if, if you're in that, uh, if you really need it, you know, you'll, you'll let it run. But I mean, on my computer, it's, it was 18 hours and I couldn't use the computer at all. So obviously I didn't go through with it. Um, yeah. But if Stogie uh, actually experimented with it, cause he has a pretty beefy computer. He took right. some 1080 uh, files. He, I think he did 1080 files, super scaled them to 4k and he actually did 4k files and super scaled them to 8k. And oh. his was like, less than an hour his was like 30 minutes for what was taking me like 18 hours so it shows like if you have a powerful computer super scaling is a great tool to use uh and i highly recommend it it so. seems fascinating i'll have to dig into that because it, it there's mm. like i said i just have some archive shorts and, and other projects mm. that i'd love to to take up to 4k mm. and recalling them and going all the way back i mean they're all shot on red but going all the mm. way back through would be crazy paul wright brings up a another uh you know, a very big thing in the chat, noise reduction. That is something that's not available on the free version. And, and he is completely right. And that's something I forgot. Uh, I used, and I actually use the noise reduction, which by the way, the noise reduction in DaVinci, highly recommend. Um, isn't, it, I, there, isn't it an offset of neat or no? Because we use neat and yeah, I don't. It's, it's similar to neat, but I mean, yeah. it's DaVinci version. It, 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 if you want to put it into basic terms, it does very similar things. Uh, what I did was I was shooting wakeboarding at night. And, oh, wow. you know, we had like one light, one powerful light at the wakeboard complex, but it, like even that light being powerful, I was still shooting. Uh, I was using a, probably not the right lens for it, but I was using a 70 to 200 F4, but it was speed boosted. So it was like at 2.6, but anyways, it was at 2.6 and at 6,400. And what I did was I used the, um, the uh, noise reduction in DaVinci. Right. And it was completely clean at yeah. 6,400. Uh, 6,400, by the way, at 4K, 60 frames per second, 
completely clean footage. And I was just like, wow. Wow. Like Mm -hmm. we posted it online and we were just so surprised how nice it looked. I'm like, it can, we can film nighttime wakeboarding with very simple lighting and, you know, have great looking shots. And and that's where I'm like, Da Vinci is the bomb. It is so good. I, I love it for that. I just, for me, it's a massive workflow thing. Um, and I know that Jeff, one of the things that we've done a lot of lately is we, we work in, um, if there is noise or whatever with black magic, I do think you have to shoot those cameras. I, at least with the G2 series, you do have to, um, you have to think about it like a, like a negative and say, look, I have an 800, which we're used to shooting red. This is the funniest thing in the world to me that happens a lot in a lot of these channels is uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of filmmakers or aspiring filmmakers or current filmmakers, whatever it is, they're all excited about shooting stuff. And they, mm-hmm. they're, they aspire to shoot on these big boy cameras, reds and, and, uh, and Aries and whatever else. And yet when it comes down to it, they don't seem to understand the basic, like an Aries native ISO is 800. Like you're shooting yeah. 800. Red is yeah. 800. It might've changed a little bit now with Gemini and some of the other sensors, but point being, DPs are still shooting at those numbers. They're adding yeah, more. Light. Absolutely. It's not about yeah. getting lazier. The bigger the camera doesn't get you lazier. It's actually more work and requires more light. So yeah. the one thing I like about the G2 is when we expose well at 800, the noise reduction we do cleans the image too far and we get to go back and add the grain we want. So Jeff has a bunch of grain presets and we'll add texture to the image. And Jeff is very, very good at that. But we'll add texture yeah. to the image to, to make it feel a certain way. Sometimes we go too far. Sometimes yeah. he goes too far. Sometimes we don't go far enough, but we're able to at least create that world. And that's where I think the workflow on that side of it is if I then need to go back and change and edit, it's not a re-render that then I got to send to DaVinci or a re-round trip. I literally go back to the edit platform and I can just make the change and update with Jeff and it's easier. So mm-hmm. big difference. No, that's true. I mean, and, you know, to be fair, I never really yeah. use a second gain. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't I you your G two doesn't have two gains on it, does it? No, that's just, a downside. That's what I was hoping today's conversation was going to be the announcement mm-hmm. of a G two that has a secondary or or G three, I guess it's six K with with the sense. I want the sensor from your camera in a G two yeah. body. Yeah, that would be great. Or that mini four body. Uh-huh. That would um, make me super happy. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly never really use the secondary gain. I've used it to just experiment with it. But whenever I'm on set, it's pretty much 400. I pretty much just use the native ISO. Um, sometimes I'll bump it up to like six uh, 640. But yeah. I mean, I never I never really needed. I like I I needed it for the wakeboarding because it was at night, not really a lot of lighting, and and that was a situation where it came in handy. But I mean, I'm pretty much lighting most of my stuff. So, uh, you know, it's nice to have, it's one of those features where it's nice to have, but I've never really like been in a situation where I need it so bad. Um, you would. So we bought one of these because I got over drones. So we bought one of those snorkel lenses gimmicks, right? Okay. One of these guys. It's probe lens. Sorry. I called it a snorkel lens. Oh, no way. Yeah. We've had it for a while, man. Great. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense where you would need so, it. So here's the thing on the, on the G2 using this lens is, is great. But the downside is we're we're cranking it to sixteen hundred ISO a lot, a lot of right, times. You got to add F14. a ton of light, right? F fourteen. But even yeah. then, at F fourteen, it's not the best image. You really want to shoot. Uh, I like to shoot a sixteen twenty split. You got a twenty two okay. split. So, mm-hmm. um, so you got to add a lot of light. Or again, you're shooting so close to stuff, you can just lower the light. It's very simple, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. um, that side of things, the reason I say that the six K is when we shot some stuff with the six K. It made it real nice to just switch to 3200. Yeah. And be done with it. And yeah, just see, that, 
Billy Donaldson. That totally makes sense. And, and I, I guess I've, I haven't really used lenses. I've, I've been able to play with that, and, and not with my camera though. Uh, I was playing with it with the red, and yeah, that that situation. I mean, what what lens do you shoot on? That's f fourteen. Really, it's that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's but, just a pinhole thing. Mm-hmm. And then you know, you're that's one of those times where having that dual ISO is really advantageous. There's been a couple of times in other shoots when we were shooting architectural where we didn't have the time, energy, or budget to to push it to the next tier. Um, but we made it work. We figured it out. I mean, that's just the yeah. way you gotta approach it that way so yeah absolutely you know that, that, that's why that's why i love having you on here drew because you brought up a whole point to that, that i didn't even think about i guess it's because i never really used i think if i had that probe lens i'd use it i would even enter my thought way more my thought process well it's the opposite so the reason we went with the probe is because i feel like drone shots are a little played out no offense i know mm-hmm. you're a drone pilot but I, are, I, I, hey i haven't used my drone like properly in a while so no yeah. offense taken no, you've been using it improperly which is important um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no is uh, is one of the things about drone shots is i feel like a lot of times most content certainly right now most content's being absorbed on this guy on the black mirror and i feel like probe lenses are really cool interesting looking shots perspective wise closer Absolutely. looks more interesting like a big drone shot on a cell phone you can't really get the context of what that is no no um it looks great on tv looks great on a big screen but mm. then you take a probe shot so that's where we've started using it. a lot of restaurant shots um we've started kind of deploying and those restaurant pieces have come in like they've come in really handy. Like there's some, I'll see if I can look. I've got one. I can. I'll just send it to yeah, you. I don't really care. Give me a second. I'll pull up the link. Well, you, you it, know, it's gonna be a private link, up, by the way. What's that? You know, you can pull it up, by the way. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you can. You you can pull it up on your screen share, and then I just uh, all it shows up as another camera for me, and I just pop it in. Oh, that's right. You're totally right. Let's do. I don't think it'll affect anything. So technically speaking, this hasn't come out yet. So we're breaking a little bit of rules, but um, don't worry. We're just live on YouTube. It's all good. And I know, but this place is great. Um, they were cool to cool group. Um, I won't share the audio. Mm-hmm. All right. So Can I got see that on. Yep. I got it. I'll put it in. Eye. All right. So I'll play it here real quick, but a lot of this is, uh, is mixed up footage. And again, this is a fast turn and burn piece, right? So this is like a retainer relationship. So this isn't meant to be like, I think there's a total time in this of like two hours. Uh, with editing, it's probably five hours total. Um, but you, you get the idea. Whoa, sorry. That's all G2 footage. Makes product photography look so great. There you go. There's that snorkel shot, right? Mm-hmm. So now, did you shoot that entire piece with the uh, probe? So that's a mix of the probe. It's it, there's a lot more probe shots in there than than should be, but uh, and then the editor cut it up the way he wanted to to give it a little more energy for that kind of place, right? Again, local restaurant mm-hmm. sort of thing, just crank right. them and burn. Uh, and that's a social video, like no big deal. But the fact that that's a social video, it, it plays better in introducing those pieces and being able to do those yeah. table flyovers. That's me and Jeff, like there's two of us mm-hmm. for the entire yeah. shoot for there for an hour and a half at the end of the day, that's load in, load out and shoot everything. That's light everything. And the point being is like, it's nice to have that sort of 
ability to make these really dynamic shots on a really low budget, or in this case, a retainer budget um, that makes it profitable. Most of that was a mix of, again, that was GH5 and G2 footage mixed together. Um, kind of, I, I thought Jeff did a great job in balancing those out. So, yeah. Uh, oh, I wasn't realizing it was muted right there. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. Um, excuse me. The, the, reve the reveals. I mean, that's one of the awesome parts about that probe lens, just to be able to like pull back and reveal everything. And it, yeah, uh, that, that lens was a game changer. And I don't use that word a lot because, I, I feel like it's overused, but I haven't been able to use a lens like that pretty much ever uh, that has that kind of macro capability and, and being able to pull off some of the shots that it can. So, I mean, just for your, like some of the jazz stuff, think how great it would be to have those like tracing along the violin, a violin, yeah. tracing along this upright no, base and, and flying it, in between the strings. Those kind of shots, like that kind of stuff is like, that's an, mm -hmm. an emotive moment. It creates a sensation. Mm -hmm. That's where that comes in really handy. And for, I don't know. I think we didn't get the Cinevise version. It was 1100 bucks or something. Um, we use oh, it. I didn't on even realize there's multiple versions. What's that? I, so I didn't even realize there's multiple versions. What's what's the difference between the one you have? You said there's a cinema Cinevise version. Yeah. So. So the Cinevise version actually has uh, geared teeth along gotcha. the focal line and on the uh -huh. on the. Uh, the focus and the, and the uh, iris so gotcha. you have Makes ability sense. to run right so because there's a lot of times that whirly is is literally as i'm operating pulling uh, jeff's pulling some focus um mm -hmm. there wasn't so many in that particular video but some of these other mm -hmm. pieces we've done recently uh mm -hmm. we've done that and we we've we use it a lot with food because it does if you if you get the food looking good it does make the food look interesting to do that and sometimes you don't yeah, have of to course but and, and, and i guess I guess on a lens like that, it kind of makes more sense to have, if you're going to do like remote pulls, it makes sense to have a, a lens that gives you the cinema, the cinevised version, just because right. it's so much thinner on those spots. I don't know how easy it necessarily will be to take one of those. You know how like the uh, Tilta comes the with the, yep. the zip. I don't know if that would work on that lens. I feel like it would get in the way. Uh, I feel like well, you you're often get... not pulling as much as you think though. Like okay, okay. The turn the turn on this from point to point is uh -huh. really short. Like, got you. Okay, okay. So I think you could get away with it. Um, so you'd have to have you, a real. I'm oh, sorry. I said just depending on what you're doing, though. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to. You basically have to have the use case. You'd have to know what your use case is to to really take advantage of that version. Otherwise, it it sounds like it makes more sense to have what you have. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, mm. it, I mean, it saves you a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, I, okay. I was okay, buying okay. the incentivized version, but what they sent me was this. And at that point, I was like, I don't really care anymore. Like, let's just, mm. we need to use it for work. I mean, that mm. we, we primarily bought it to up the game for a, re, uh, a retainer client, which is the Lucy's place is not the retainer, but they're in, on the property. So we represent a massive mm. property. And we're constantly trying to innovate how we make their stuff look more interesting. And yeah. a lot of that, their stuff is wine, is, is a, not wine is bars and restaurants and food with the probe lens is much cleaner. Um, yeah, yeah. And so being able to innovate on that and then bringing the G2 in again, that camera from a production standpoint, one of the things I love about it is that I can build it onto a shoulder rig. I don't have to carry a bunch of ND with me because it's built in ND, which is a huge deal for me. Again, that's very reminiscent of an Alexa. So now all of a sudden I feel like I'm more, I, I think black magic's menus are fantastic. They're mm -hmm. easy. They're mm -hmm. very Alexa-like. Yeah. Um, they're very Ari-like, I should say. 
And so it, having that menu system too, it's just a, yeah. it's just a simpler workflow. And then B-Raw being so good at what it does and so efficient, uh, it's great. Now, B-Raw sucks in Premiere. I'm sorry. There's no way around it. I hate have, it. Have, have, uh, so are, now when you say it sucks, is, is that or what are you using when you're using Premiere? Are you using the plugin that they give you from Blackmagic or are you using the Autochroma plugin? I, I've used both. Um, okay. And I just, for whatever reason, it, it does not play nice with my machine very well. It's just a pain. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know one of the things that makes me wonder is that may be one of one of the only areas where using uh, a Mac may work a little bit better uh, for if you're using the Blackmagic B Raw plugin in Premiere, yep. Yep. Uh, because I haven't had any issues, but you are not the first person that I have heard of that's had tons of issues. Yeah, I'm um, not with using it, it. Um, and, and and it pushed me a little bit towards DaVinci, which I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. it did that. It made me better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, listen, if I was going through the same thing as you, I would be in DaVinci at that point because I, I pretty much still use Premiere just because for me, B-Raw is so easy to use in Premiere and I'm able to do all of those metadata changes. Uh, but I mean, I still have to go pretty much. I only use DaVinci for, for, you know, color grading. Yep. But uh, if I had those issues, I'd be there with you. I'd be there right with you because it wouldn't be worth it. It would be a work I, uh, workflow. I problem. was shocked. I, I still will stand by the fact that the editorially, I did not think I'd connect to it because I was like, oh, this thing's mm -hmm. terrible. I hate it. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a hybrid of Avid and Final Cut 7. So I am the happiest I've ever been editing in a very long time because I change all my keys in Premiere to match Final Cut. The keys right. in DaVinci default to my what I'm used to anyway. Mm -hmm. Um and then I've got someone that uses the editing keyboard. They paid the money and I got to play wow. with it for a little bit. It's awesome. I just, I just am not in a spot to spend $1,100 on a keyboard. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd rather spend that on, you know, or put it, that's a sixth of a new camera, which we desperately need because we've grown and now we have two units. So it's, it's more a matter of that kind of thing. So, so let's talk about file sizes. Um, you know, since we're, since we're geeking out a little bit on, on black magic right now, um, you know, file sizes was one of the big things that made me switch over to actually use B-Raw because I was so astonished with, you know, the, it's not just about the file size. It's that because of the file size, e even on my little pocket 4K, I can record onto SD cards, which is insane. Yep. Um, what, what, it, what it's been your experience with the file sizes uh, or has it really not affected you that much? Uh, well, what we found is I'm just looking at th this project we did recently where we had a mix of uh, G2 and so we have Blackmagic Raw clips mixed in with GH5 clips and um, the GH5 clips are so much bigger, weirdly, are larger file sizes and at a lower resolution in terms of, of bit depth and all that stuff. So right. it, it's the way it's wrapping it. I, mm. I to me, it's not a big deal because we also shot red for so long and we got so used right. to it. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like GH5, if we transcoded GH5 footage, which we had done before, uh, that gets to be in a problem because then it's just, you know, ProRes is beefy compared to, to what they have. So to me, the, yeah, the Blackmagic Raw, it still takes up a good bit, but it's it's not affected us in a negative way. The other side of this internally is being able to switch between CFast or Compact, or um, I'm sorry, SD cards. Yeah. Um Mm -hmm. I've shot less on CFast than I have on, on SD cards just yeah, because I travel, I traveled the camera from here to Chicago, shot three days, traveled to New York, shot three days, flew home. And I didn't want to take a compact flash card. So I took SD cards and it was great mm -hmm. the entire time. And these were long yeah. days, long I'm, takes. I'm with you. 
I'm with so. you. I, I got I got a lot of flack for saying that I I, I primarily use SD cards, but for, first of all, I think one thing to note that when we're using SD cards, we're not using like regular SD cards that you put into like a GoPro right. or an Osmo or even well, I mean, I would say even a GH5, but no, like we're we're basically using the ones that that you can use the high bit rates on the GH5. Um, yeah, and for oh, whatever yeah. reason, even though some of the bit rates are actually higher theoretically than what the GH5 yeah. is. It, like the, some of the cards work better. Yeah, that's a exactly. 64 Panasonic that went on sale at B and H for like a hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's regularly like two fifty. Like it's now that's a V ninety one, right? That's a V ninety card, so it right. it handles that perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, I've used I've actually I used that one on the Star Trek shoot that I did. Uh, yeah. I think a sixty four. No, I used a one twenty eight version of what you have. Right. Then I've used a V60 Lexar card that was 128. And now I couldn't use all the bit rates, but I was able to pretty much use all the 24p uh, compressions, no problem. Um, and can then, we talk about that? Can we talk about the narrative side of things in terms of that? Because yeah, yeah, of course. You've shot the most, uh, I've shot mostly commercials, is what we've done with it thus far. We have some shorts in the works, but mostly commercials. Right. What was it like shooting narrative with, with, that workflow how did that workflow feel to you from a narrative standpoint just like any other camera or did you find limitations were there any challenges definitely no limitations um no challenges it it honestly was it let me breathe a little bit uh and the reason i say that is you know obviously you know when you're when you're doing everything you want as far as white balance and everything to be on point because you don't want to have to worry about that uh, in post but at the same time when we're doing the, when we're bringing out white balance in the beginning and we're bringing out like a white card just to make sure we're on point, the shooting in raw with, especially with the file sizes, it just made things so much easier because, um, granted, you know, we didn't really need to change the ISO and post cause we were on point when we were filming, but right. it's just, it's pretty much the, you know, the, the, the white balance and, and the flexibility to change little things in the footage made things better for us in post. Uh, on set, it was, it felt the same. It felt like we were shooting, you know, regular, like ProRes. It didn't feel like we were shooting B-Raw. Um, the other thing too, which is a minor thing we shot in Cinescope. Uh, nice. so we were shooting 240 to one. And because if you shoot in Cinescope on these cameras, you're actually saving data rate because you're yep. not capturing the top and the bottom. And right. a lot of people don't realize that. And, and, you know, it's not, listen, it's not like you're saving like a crazy amount, but you know, we got, I, I would say we got like 20, 25% more on the cards because oh, yeah, we're you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big difference. It's a, actually a surprisingly large amount of, of time to me when I looking at the menus, I, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and by the way, shooting Cinescope only available in B-Raw, you can't shoot Cinescope. You can right. frame for Cinescope in ProRes, but you can't shoot directly to Cinescope in ProRes. Um, and there was a few other things too. I mean, granted, we didn't use this for the, for the narrative, but just the ability when they added the 75 frames per second, if you shoot in Cinescope, it looks pretty cool. Um, yeah. but I, but I mean, really, I mean, everything was 20, 20, well, I say 24 P, but it was really 23.98, uh, everything we shot. Um, right. but it was great. I mean, it, it, it didn't add any com- uh, complexity to what we were doing and it was really a breath of fresh air, um, the one thing that we don't use though, and I'm not sure if you use them, you know, we're using a slate on set and mm-hmm. you have the ability to input the slate information in the camera, 
And, you know, I probably should start, because, especially because there's that iPad app for the Blackmagic, and I also have a phone app where you can input the slate information directly to right. the camera from those apps. We right. haven't been using them. I don't know if you have, uh, but I want to well, start. I want to start using them because I think that's very, very essential to be able to have all that slate information in the clip. In the GH5 stuff, on GH5, in the uh, Chicago stuff, Chicago, New York job, pre-COVID, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. that stuff, I had a smart slate on set with me cause we hired a local recordist. And cool. so, um, she came in on, in New York, she came in and, and did time code mm -hmm. sync and would jam right. it. Uh, yeah. I will say I had a, it had drift and it was a, mm -hmm. it was a noticeable amount and I don't know. Oh, really? Again, yeah. I couldn't diagnose the problem if it was, if it was camera based, operator based, like claiming responsibility or slate based. Mm -hmm. I couldn't mm -hmm. find it, but there was drift. Um, okay, good to know. So, so it was, it did remind me of, um, it just meant it was a lot more, I didn't have a locket box. So it just meant it was right. going back to that whole concept of like just rejam after every battery change and everything, just get in the habit of it yeah. uh, and almost treating it more narrative style. And this was docu-style types or documentary type content, but we rejammed over the course of the days after we realized it. So in a narrative sense, that could be a problem. The only other issue I've ever had with any of the camera stuff was this job I recently did, uh, and I had to call Jeff, and it was mm -hmm. I was very I almost broke our camera. I was so angry. <laughs> um, it was a uh, Black Magic. So I use uh, we use gold mounts, and I think mm -hmm. I've talked about it if you didn't hear me before. But we use gold mount batteries, and I went to put the battery on. It wouldn't mount. It, it just wouldn't mount. Like you would really? lock it in, wouldn't mount. So I'd spin the battery. All the holes were clear. I could do all that. It just literally the gold mount wouldn't mount, and it's a Black Magic official anton bauer back and it nearly cost me to shoot because the client sitting there maybe 30 minutes late whole process jeff comes i call jeff he's not far away he comes over brings another camera as a backup and we tinker with it he sits there and does his ac magic and he gets a battery to sit and then it wasn't an issue but it had something to do with one of the pins it goes back to my same problem i've always had with with sometimes with black magic is fantastic product absolutely changes the game in a lot of ways and then their quality control just falls to crap yep, and yep. this is one of those moments where here it is i'm in front of a, a client professional shoot would not have had that issue could have but probably wouldn't have had that issue i've never had it before in my entire career of, of shooting gold mount mm -hmm. never had that issue and i've shot gold mount since most of you guys were kids hmm. never had it until that moment hmm. pretty frustrating i mean that was frustrating yeah. Oh, I get it. I actually had a, um, a locking issue, but not a battery issue on set. Um, I was doing a lens change, including a speed booster change. Cause since I'm using the 4k, I'm I'm using speed boosters and I'm, I'm actually changing out between the ultra and the 64, uh, depending on where I'm framing, because since we're using Cinescope, um, I can use the uh, 64 uh, speed booster and still use a Sigma 18 to 35 because even right. though it vignettes, we're not using that full frame. So right. it doesn't really matter. So I was doing these changes and I went to go put the speed boost. I took a speed booster off and I went to go put one on and it wouldn't click. I'm like, what's, what's going on here? And Ooh. I didn't want to force it because, right. uh, sorry, I'm getting, uh, Instacart was supposed to come Tuesday and now they're doing it today, which is a, a welcome sign. Anyways, oh, sure. um, so I'm, so I'm putting the speed booster on and it's not going and I don't want to force it. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I go to put the speed boosters on, uh, the GH five I have, and they're going on, but then I go to take the XL speed booster off and I turn it and it starts going past 
uh, where uh-huh. it typically locks nope. to come out. I'm like, Whoa. I, you can't see it, but I got goosebumps of like terror from yeah. that. That yeah, gives me yeah. like, yeah, so PTSD. So I look, I look around and I shake and I hear a fucking screw. Sorry for the cursing, but I was like, holy moly! I hear a screw and I take it out. And I'm like, where is this screw from? I go and and uh, sorry, the screw was in the Black Magic. So I go oh. and once the screw's out, I go and I put the speed booster on and it locks. And I'm like, well, that screw is obviously the problem. Now let me take this thing off and see how much damage I did. Look around and there was like a little mark in the casing, but not not anywhere near the sensor. And I was like, well, I can live with that. That's not going to affect me at all. Um, and then I realized the screw came from the speed booster and the screw was actually the locking pin that basically when, when you take oh, the speed right. booster and you bring it to like the to take it out, that's what where it stops and it wasn't right. there anymore. And, and I was able to luckily screw it back in and everything works fine. But that's one of the craziest things I've had happen. Uh, and it was on set. Uh, and I just, I, I was scared. L- luckily I have one of these, um, I don't have it on me, but I, I got one of those small rig, uh, multi-tool things that yeah. has basically every screw you need, every, every head you need in one little device. And if I didn't have that, I would have been so screwed that day. That's, but that's a good argument for that wasn't a black magic issue, which is great. No, no, that Purple. was, that was a, a meta bones issue yeah. and it, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Uh, and all, like now, now, like every time I go to do these changes, I go to the locking pin and I, I eventually I'll probably stop doing this, but I just always touch it a little bit. I'm like, let's make it. sure this thing's there. Cause, uh, that just really scared me. Cause I thought my camera was done. Like at first I'm like, what is going on? If, if I can't lock the speed booster in, right. I, what else can I not lock in? Cause it, Oh, the, the thing I left out is it was happening with every lens, but obviously mm-hmm. because that screw was in there, right? wherever that screw was, it was right. just not letting me put the lenses in, but that was very scary. And, and that could have been a way worse outcome because now, even though in these cameras, the sensor isn't really exposed, there's a layer of gl- a glass there. If that screw scratched that glass, oh, yeah. I still would have yeah, had yeah. to send the yeah. camera in. They, yeah. it, you know, it, that would have been a really crappy situation. And that was on set, you know, yeah. that, that could have, that, that could have basically ended us because that was our AK. Well, we had a 6K with us, so I mean, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, but we would have gone from a two cam to to a single cam. Right. And so. on that kind of shoots, you needed a two cam to probably make it work best. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because uh, the Star Trek fan film that we're shooting, part of it's docu style. Right. So um, you know, we're we're running the two cams to kind of give us two angles while these people are telling their stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it, the two cam makes it work. And, and what was great though, is we went from using, you know, side note, we were using all reds on this star Trek film. We were using a red epic weapon. Nice. And the epic, uh, dragon. Um, okay. and we switched, we switched from using those to now we're using the pocket 4k and the 6k. Um, I get it. Yeah, I think they hold great. up for that kind of content. I, I, I just yeah. think they hold up. My thing with Black Magic is, and I, I've noticed it less and less with B Raw, but it's still there. There's a weird highlight thing, highlight issue that comes through. But I started looking at the OLPF. I think it's Raw Light makes one. Yes, they yeah. do. They do. They make one, and they're really cool. They're like four hundred bucks. OPLF. What I say? OLPF. Whatever it is. OPLF. Yeah, I know. I know. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Have you tried one of those? Has anybody out there? I have not. Yeah, I, I'm interested to to see someone who's tried it in person. I've seen some right. footage, some test footage, but I, I'm pretty sure that test footage was from those companies. So I'd I'd like to see you know real world use. I'd like Maybe to that's see something people. we should talk about because I think yeah, I think so. 
I think there's an interesting, what I noticed was that, you know, there's an IR cut issue with, with blacks and sunlight where it just, they get that purple hue. It used to happen on reds back when it was a bazooka. It was like this big. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd have to fly this hot mirror and do all that junk. So I'm wondering now if we can get rid of that and, and look at, uh, or IR filter, we get rid of that and look at um, how we can approach it on these. Can we make a difference? Cause I've noticed some of that. There's an interesting hue and the footage I saw, it did look closer to a more neutral image. Really? Um, okay. And I talked to Jeff about it and Jeff is like, Hey, it's going to require a bunch of extra steps. We, you know, not the install, but like literally getting rid of that effect. He's like, it does require it's way he does a, a grading pattern. Uh, and mm. even then I'm asking him, can we at some point talk about Jeff's LUT? Can Oh, I mean, oh yeah. So let, let's finish this. Let's finish this. And we're going to talk about Jeff's magical LUT that I wish he'd make available because it is just, well, I want him to make magical. one that, that basically cheats the cheats, the OPLF problem. I think he can do that. I think he can right. take the, that would be great. That would be right. great. You know, cause right now I just want a very action. neutral image. Yeah, the way I cheated is you have to basically shoot because uh, the OL the OLPF it, OPLF it also, right OPLF geez yeah that, that's that's where I am <laughs> that's what I do no it's yeah. me I keep saying it wrong yeah I'm um, I'm 42 you're 20 something there's a big difference there hey I, 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 people keep telling me you're almost 30 because I'm 30 this year and I'm like I'm like hey I'm right in my 20s until I hit that age that's it but uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, that apparently it claims is you don't need to use a, an IR filter anymore if you have one of those in. That's um, correct. Because that's one of the things. Um, that's really from my use with the Black Magic. That's really the downfall that I've noticed is that you need the IR filter if you're using NDs, that's uh, true. especially heavy NDs. If you're using like a very light ND, you could probably get away without using it. But the yeah. second you go, you, you get some hardcore NDs in there, you 100%. need that IR filter to protect you from that shift. Where if you have the, uh, if you have this filter in, you just, you, you don't need that anymore. It, yep. it takes care of it for you, but there is a little bit of an install challenge um, yeah. besides, besides the fact that it's $400. But I think it's $400 possibly well spent if, if you're oh, really I'm, using I'm, this camera. I'm all in. I think it's two different models. I think there's a 4K, yeah. or I think there's a 6K, 4K version and a G2 yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, I'm and very close. The, What's that? I've seen I've seen the install on the G2, and it seemed easier on the G2 than on the pocket. Yeah, big time, big time. So I may test it, and then you know, whenever this is said and done, at least we can all look at it together and view some stuff. Yeah. And again, yeah. I'd love for I'd love for Jeff to look at maybe taking this base lot. Can you talk about that lot? Because I haven't had any yeah. experience. He he won't even share okay. the damn thing with me. Like he's <laughs> only given it's like an exclusive Reach Films Fagin lot. That's the yeah, only so, person in the world so, that has it. So let me tell you, and I'm not trying to stroke Jeff's ego. Like this is God's honest truth. I've had the LUT from Jeff for about a year now. Uh, Part of the reason, you know, Jeff made this LUT was just he was, you know, messing around with the footage. And I personally didn't really like the Rec 709 LUTs that were coming out or or that were, you know, in the camera pre-installed. And at the time, there were no, there was no, um, that people call GH Alex. There was no GH Alex LUT. There was no, uh, there's another LUT, Bertoli, I, I don't remember what it's called. But anyways, there were no LUTs out there. And so Jeff made this LUT, and it just made the camera look, the colors and everything looked how they should coming out of it. Everything just looked great. Um, of course, with every LUT, there still has to be minor things you have to change per whatever situation you're filming. But once right. you do those minor changes... Every time the footage looked great, like we'd be on set and we'd have two 4Ks because this is even before the 6K came out. 
and we would have they'd have the monitoring LUT for the the Rec 709, and I'd have Jeff's LUT as the monitoring LUT. And they'd like be looking and they wouldn't notice at first. And then they'd look over and they'd be like, whoa, what, what, what's going on? Like, how, why does yours look so good? And it's just the, the way the, the highlights roll off. And that's why I do agree with you. I think he could probably make a, a, a LUT change for that uh, with, with some work. Um, yep. But it's just the way that the colors, the highlights, the way it, it just mixes in the camera, it looks great. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm using it as the monitoring LUT for every single shoot I go to. Um, and, you know, like I, a, any video you've seen on this channel that has uh, pocket 4K footage, it's all used the LUT from, from Jeff. Oh, wow. And that's part of the reason that I plug Craft Show in any of those videos because it, it's, it's really good. It's really good. And it, it saved me. I, like I have other LUTs. Jeff's LUT is not the only one I have. I have right. the LUT from GH Alex and it's, it's cool. It, but, it's made to emulate an Ari, uh, an Alexa. And right. if that's what you want, then you go for it. And I've seen the other LUTs and they're decent, but in my opinion, none of them have come close to Jeff's LUT. And you can see some of them in, in when, you know, when you see Axonar and you see uh, Warped, which is Paul Jenkins um, short film that, you know, we discussed yesterday on our channel. We discussed it on the craft show channel. When you see that, you know, it was all based on using Jeff's LUT. So, I mean, I mean, you guys will shortly, we'll have real world examples besides the little fun videos I've done on my channel. And Um, that's the thing. The thing that, that floors me about it is he's also made another one. I haven't seen this one at all mm -hmm. that he gave to a friend. It's a, it's a G1 lot. Oh, G1. uh, I thought he did a G2. No, he made a G1 lot. He's not, he's got, he may make one now since he's up in North Carolina and he's trapped for a while, but, um, Mm -hmm. And if he's listening, I'm, I'm hoping, but, but that the, the thing that's interesting is Jeff approaches it. Cause Jeff's not just a guy. That's a colorist who mm-hmm. is a professional colorist. Like Jeff's not mm-hmm. somebody who hobbies color. He's a professional right. color. Yeah, and what I found fascinating is he's also a professional DP. Mm-hmm. So he has an ability that I don't have. I have the ability to know how to make a camera angle look good and direct some actors and make some things happen and then tell him what I want it to look like in color. And he interprets that and makes it magical. He's literally able to take the camera and do what he wants with it, like in terms of the LUT and that look. So I hope that he would go through and make, you know, uh, I guess 4K LUT, a 6K LUT, a, you know, across the board, whatever it needs to be at different ISOs with different NDs in it. Because if that makes a difference, he may have to alter certain properties. If he does that, we're talking about being able to offer somebody something really, I'm saying this as a pitch to him and he's my partner and he doesn't give it to me. (laughs) Well, no, and, and, but but this well, is also why I think it, his LUT is so good. So as as Drew knows, when I got the Pocket 4K, I've had the original Pocket for a while, but on and off, I would have it and then I would sell it and then I would get it again. I ended up buying another one just to match the camera. And one day I, I shot in RAW. I did one of my, uh, I forget exactly what I was shooting. I think it was just one of my YouTube videos. So I shot it in CD&G RAW and I brought it into DaVinci. And one of the things I didn't realize is if you shoot, just like with older reds, you can choose IPP2 color science from the older reds and, and have the newer color science. But the same thing is with black magic. If you shoot with raw on the older black magics, you can shoot what's called gen four color science. And I've, I covered it a little bit in my black magic video uh, about why I like the original pocket cinema camera. So I use Jeff's LUT once I changed the color science to gen four and lo and behold, it looked amazing. No, no. It, it didn't look exactly like uh, the Pocket 4K, but it looked 
close enough to where I could absolutely put one in the other one. And to yeah. the normal person, they look like they match completely. Oh, and yeah. once that happened, I was just like, I have I have a B camera that I can use now. Then it looks amazing because this lot looks amazing. Well, um, we'll, have and, to, we'll, well, we have to get that. We have to get him to, to get that available. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because I think um, it's I think especially now it'd be really nice to have, even if it's just a monitoring LUT, it's still nice to yeah. have. Yeah. And, and you know, Jeff, he, you know, he, to give him credit, he, he tells you, it's like this, this LUT was made to be a monitoring LUT. It wasn't made to edit with, but that's also why you have to do your little changes in post. You know, right. you have to fix right. a little thing here and maybe fix a little bit of the contrast, you know, um, change your white balance up a little bit, but you, you have to do little changes, but it's an amazing starting place. Yeah. Much better than any of the other ones I've used. And and literally the only time I've used the um the Alexa light is I've basically if we've been on set with like a mini or something like that, I've given them the option to be like, I can shoot in this log C format, and then you guys can go well, it they give you a log C and then they give you a rec 709 to match to the RE cams. Then I give them the option and I've literally used it like once, but they they wanted it. They wanted the the LUT. But that's the only time I've used that one. Otherwise, it's hmm. always Jeff's LUT no matter what, because it just looks so great. So, you know, I wish he was on here and we could have spoken to him about it, but you know, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm definitely with you on that. Um, mm -hmm. And I've had my phone blow up, so I probably need to duck out here in a few. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. I, I think, I think this is a good place to end it, uh, especially with a salesy pitch for Jeff's LUT. So I, and by the way, <laughs> this was bad, a, but I'm yeah. telling you guys, I don't yeah. have his LUT. Only he yeah. has the LUT. It is a yeah, crap yeah. thing, but he has it. I have no idea what the deal yeah. is. Yeah, by the way, you guys think this was a sales pitch for you to get his LUT? No, this was a sales pitch, a sales pitch for him to t start offering it because yeah. it's that good. So, I want it. I want it. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll talk about this more. And, and, you know, I think we've come to a good place. Drew, thank you yes, for sir. joining us today. It was a thank great you, conversation bro. as always. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have some content coming up on your channel next week. If Drew Drew's from craft show, if yeah, I'm sure you guys have seen it, if you haven't, um, the links in the description below, they have amazing content. And one of the things we spoke about earlier is my channel, uh, when it comes to camera reviews or camera talk, if that's what we're going to call it, it's more techie and Drew's channel is more about the creative process. And, and it, you know, it, it's great to have that divide because not everybody is super techie and not everybody's super on the creative side, but we like to kind of mix everything together. So it takes a team to make it happen. So it does. It does. So we'll catch you guys next time. This was kind of like a special edition live stream. You know, I don't really do these tech live streams too much, but we wanted to do it with the, uh, with the fake black magic news that came out today. So fake news. Yeah. Fake, fake it gets. Yeah. Cool. Well, anyways, thank you guys for joining us and we will catch you guys next time on the channel. Adios. Oh, oh. there we go.